AMA 50 KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Gary. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And Pastor John Lakomsky has lined us up with a special guest. And again, we're talking to St. Peter. But St. Peter, before you can say anything else, I want to make sure you're not going to plug your dipping and fishing supplies. I just want you to know that we're going to answer my questions this afternoon, right? Well, I, I'm certainly going to try, Gary. For those of you who might not have been with us for the last few weeks, Peter has been commenting on John chapter 21. It's the account of how Jesus restored Peter to his apostleship. Now, I've had several questions, and you seem to be avoiding them. In fact, I'm getting the impression that you may be stretching things out of this interview just where you could keep plugging those sheep-dipping specials at the hook and crook. Well, well, funny you should mention our sheep dipping special. It's a two-for-one deal, but it's only good until the end of the month. Peter, Peter now are you going to answer my questions or not? Well, uh, I'll try to get to them this week. But again, there's another thing we, we need to talk about first. And what's that, Peter? Well, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking about the difference between agape love and philos love. Yeah, I know. Those are the two words that were used that day Jesus restored you. Jesus asked if you agaped him, and you said, I philos you. Right. And all of that makes perfect sense when you understand what those words mean. Agape love, that's what Jesus asked of me, is a love of will and commitment, a pledge that you love one so much you are willing to die for them. Which is exactly the love you pledged to Jesus on that night. He uh, was betrayed. You, you vowed that you would go to prison or even die for him. That is agape love. And that's what Jesus asked me that morning. Simon, son of John, do you love me? That is, do you agape me? And of course, I could not say yes to that question. When I denied Jesus three times, I clearly demonstrated that I was incapable of such sacrificial love. So instead, I offered to philos him, love him merely as a companion. In retrospect, you know, that was also foolish. Why was that foolish? You were only being honest about the weakness of your flesh. But don't you see, if someone says they love you enough to give their life for you... Which is what Jesus had done for you and also for all of us. Well, you can hardly then turn around and say you just want to be friends. <laughs> you know, when someone promises you, you agape love, the only proper response is to offer agape love back. I understand what you're saying, Peter. As you say, we can't just be buddies with Jesus. He is our Lord and Savior. As the Bible says, we should love him with all our hearts and minds and soul, which is a very pointed way of saying we should agape him. But as you pointed out last week, that's the problem. Sinful people like you and me could never promise such love to God because we have no idea what temptations we're going to face and how we're going to respond to them. And how could we ever promise God such an enduring love? And that's what we need to talk about before we get to your questions, because there is an answer to that problem. Now, let's go back to something Jesus had said earlier. And in fact, that very night when I did betray him. Uh, John records these words as well, but in chapter 17 there, verse 6 of his gospel. 
Yes, this is part of the so-called high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, it's the last phrase that's striking. They, uh, referring to us apostles, have kept your word. Now, now Gary, uh, the word kept there is in the Greek perfect tense. Now, this is a marvelous way of speaking in the Greek. I, I don't think you really have anything like it in the English. For when you say something in the perfect sense, you mean it's a done deal. Oh, things might still be in the works, but for all practical purposes, whatever you're talking about is finished and accomplished. In other words, Jesus here is saying they have truly, really, verily kept your word. Amen. You know, that is striking. Whether you say it in the Greek, perfect tense, or just plain English, these words of Jesus don't make any sense. You weren't going to keep the word. Actually, within a few hours, you were going to deny the Lord three times. So how could Jesus speak this way? How could he say to you, keep the word, knowing full well you wouldn't? Well, it wasn't a matter of ignorance on Jesus' part. He knew what I was going to do. Uh, that night he warned me that I would deny him before the cock crew. But he could still speak about me having kept the word on the basis of what he says a few verses later there in that high priestly prayer. Uh, read, read verse 11. Okay, verse 11. Jesus prays, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Now, now Jesus knew I wouldn't keep the word, but he trusted his Father would keep me nonetheless. And his prayer was answered. For even though I would deny Jesus that night, in the end, I, I would be restored. That's what we've been talking about. Jesus himself would forgive me and call me back to be the shepherd of his sheep. When all things were said and done, I, I would keep the word, even though I could not promise him agape love. In the end, it is agape love that I would give him. Uh, go back now, Gary, to, to John chapter 21, what we've been talking about, and read what Jesus says to me immediately after he restored me. Okay, and Jesus is speaking to you here. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. I hadn't thought about that, Peter. You, you, you did die a martyr death in the end, and you did love Jesus with an agape love. You did give up your life for him. Now, no man in his right man can pledge sacrificial love to God, or, or anyone else for that matter. We are far too weak and sinful to make such a promise, but it is amazing what the agape love of Jesus can do to a man. Why, why, even someone like myself can end up loving far more than he ever thought he could. We love because he first loved us. We confess our own lack of love and then rejoice in the height, depth, and length of the love Jesus has for us. And because of Jesus' agape love for us, we might be surprised, Gary, at the love we'll show to the Lord and, and to those around us. You know, that reminds me of what you wrote in your first letter. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know, Gary, when I wrote those words, I was actually thinking about myself. I had suffered much, largely, because I put my faith in myself. But in the end, the word of Jesus came true, and I was restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. That's why Jesus spoke of me as one who had kept the word. (laughs) He said that not because of what I would do, but because he trusted what the Father would do. And what the Father did was keep me. Uh, That does bring us to one of the questions you asked, Gary. And which question was that, Peter? Well, you wondered about the significance of my nickname, Peter. Oh, yeah, right. Why did Jesus give you that special name? Well, it's a good thing you're asking me now, because if you'd asked me when I first got it, I I would have given you a completely wrong answer. (laughs) What do you mean by that, Peter? Well, you know the name Peter means the rock. (laughs) That first day Jesus gave me that name, I thought I was supposed to be the rock. I imagine that's why you vowed to die for Jesus and why you drew your sword that night the mob came to seize him. (laughs) Precisely. Uh, Of course, however, I wasn't the rock at all. (laughs) At best, I was a pebble. The truth is, he hadn't called me Peter because I was the rock, but rather as a reminder that he was my rock. Just like David says in Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Ah, Gary, I, I couldn't even say it better myself. That's exactly the point. Jesus gave me that glorious nickname, Peter, that I might always remember he was the rock of my salvation. Well, at least we we got one of your questions answered. And and I promise you, next week, we'll get to the rest. I will explain to you the important significance of why we caught exactly 153 fish that day Jesus came to us on the shore. I'll also explain why Jesus that day didn't simply say to me, I forgive you, Peter. And we do want to remind our listeners just quickly, we have two more weeks to take advantage of the cheap dipping specials at the Hook and Crook. Aw, thanks for the plug, Gary. We'll see you next week. Sounds like a plan. I look forward to it. Now I have to remember to bring my sheep down there soon. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org, AM850 here in the St. Louis region.